Blog Talk Radio.
Yes, that songwriter says that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. We just heard from Jeff Majors, Psalms 23, and God bless you. Let's look at that again, that song that Jeff Major is singing about. The Lord is my shepherd. That means we have to take it personal, personalize it, that he is our watcher, he is our keeper, he is our shepherd, he's our pastor, and that we are covered. I shall not want that we don't need to have anything or want anything outside of God, that he will supply all our needs. Sometimes we have those little foolish things that we want, but when we turn it over to God, and pray to him daily that he will let us better understand what are our actual needs. It says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Yes, God give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Is that you don't have to worry that you are comforted because he leads me beside the still waters meaning that if God can't do it, it just can't be done, that he can set peace in the middle of the storm and that it will sustain us. It says here that he restores my soul and he leadeth me in the path of righteousness. Yes, there are times in our life that we need restoration. We need to be restored. We need the goodness of the Lord to cover us to lead us and to guide us, that only God will give us what is right and what is righteous for his name's sake, not for us, but for the glorification of God, not man. It says, yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though we walk through some turbulent times, that we walk through uncertainties, that we walk through shadows, things that we may not understand, confusion, death, ill uh, feeling and molestation, all of those things that have crippled us. It says that I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It says here that long as we trust God, that we can come through the valley of dry bones, that we don't have to worry when we put it in God's hand. Hey, hallelujah. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just like a shepherd over sheep, he's constantly just leading them with the stick that's in his hand, making sure that the wolves don't devour their flesh. He's the watchman against the wall, and Jesus is the repair of the breach. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Lord, have mercy. Yes, he does that we don't have to fight back, we don't have to cuss back, we don't have to put our arms back, that people may like us, may not like us, may accept us, may not accept us, that there are people that don't even uh, have ill feelings towards you just because you're in the land of the living, you are breathing the fresh air. Lord have mercy. Let me slow down. Because you are alive and that you are made in the image of God, There are those persons or people that's going to hate you because of the color of your skin, your nationality, your gender, your location, uh, where you're born, uh, anything that deals with you, um, even from your past, your genealogy. 
But it says that God prepares a table, and he anoints your head with oil. You don't have to worry about others. Don't you know, I remember when I went to Jamaica and I saw our fellowship pastor there. And as um, I was turning over the service to him, and I said, I want you to bring down the um, bring down the reins of God, bring down the favor of God, bring down the Holy Spirit of God. Just increase it even more. And it was so beautiful when I was telling him that we need to go on another level in worship and that we can just invite, invoke, uh, and just welcome the Holy Spirit even more into the room, like on the day of Pentecost. He said something that was so profound, and I thought about it. It says right in scriptures, God anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Do you know that the oil of God is on the inside of you? Hey, hallelujah, that you are blessed from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, that you could call upon the angels and you could speak to the winds and that you can have the very favor and presence of God. The Holy Spirit is with you, the oil of God. Hey, the oil of Sharon is poured all over you. And that the pastor in Jamaica said that I carry the oil of God. Do you know how powerful that is? When you carry the oil of God inside of you, there's healing, there's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders, there's breakthrough. Hey, hallelujah, glory be to God. And your cup shall runneth over with good tidings, with good will, with good blessings. It says, surely goodness and mercy, surely God's grace hey, and mercy is sufficient for me and shall follow me all the days of my life. Beloved, you don't have to worry that you got God on the inside of you, that God will carry you all the days of your life, and you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know why? Because Jesus died on the cross for us, that we can see the glorification of God in the land of the living, that we can see all the beautifulness and the power of his glory, that all we have to do is just believe in that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died on the cross for us, that Jesus is the repair of the breach, and Jesus is the Son of God. And when you do that, beloved, that the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, the power of God, the mercy seat of God will carry you. Good God Almighty, I feel all right. When I talk about the Lord and the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living, truly, we are blessed to know that God is carrying us. Amen. Amen. Oh, 
Yes, a songwriter says, carry me, and that's Kevin Doswell. Truly, if we want anybody to carry us in our lives and people that we can depend on, that we have to trust God because they are angels in the skies. Because the Bible says, be careful how you talk to strangers. It could be an angel. And God will send people into your life, hey, hallelujah, that will pray you through, that will carry you through, that will be there for you in the times of restoration, in the times where you need God to just come in your life and you need God to stand behind you. Truly, it's nothing like loving the Lord. It's nothing like just being a part of the ministry and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because when you have Jesus, hey, hallelujah, that you are never lost. When you have Jesus, that you have a friend. When you have Jesus, he won't let you fall. When you have accepted that death, burial, and resurrection, you can say, God, carry me, because I can't carry myself. Good God Almighty. You know, this is the start of each and every day. It should be a Sabbath a day of praise and worship, a day to glorify God, a day to love others and treat others the way that you want to be treated. You know why? Because only through that death, burial, and resurrection can you see the beauty of the Lord and his holiness, that God will change those natural eyes to those spiritual eyes, and you're able to see the Lamb of God. Hey. Hallelujah. Beloved, I wish you prosperity, and I wish you hope and happiness and joy, and I bring good tidings in the gospel of Jesus Christ to tell you that our God is able. I decree and declare as a disciple of God that hope is alive, that miracle signs and wonders do take place, and that our God still lives. Yes, he does. That you just have to touch the hem of his garment and you have to believe that God is able, that God is the uh, the Lamb of God, that Jesus, that Jesus himself is made in the image of God, that is the flesh of God, and that God said, when you've seen Jesus, you've seen me, because we are one, that both of them are one. And we thank God for the birth of Jesus. We thank God that he loved us so. He made us in his image. And that he didn't forget his creation. Hey, hallelujah. And we thank God for that lamb, that sacrificial lamb that he sent in our lives. God bless you again. And let us listen to Kirk Franklin and the family. Amen.
Songwriter says, Now behold the Lamb of God. Truly the Lord is our shepherd, as we heard in Psalms 23, 1 and 6, that God is and forever be our shepherd. Let us take this time that we're going to just come together in corporate prayer. I speak to all the nations of the world, and I ask now that God said, where two or three are gathered, that he's in the midst. Hey, hallelujah. And we will open up our heart that he will come and sup with us. I'll say it again, that God said that he's in the midst of us. And if we open up our heart that he will come in and sup with us. If we can believe it, we can receive it. That all things are possible through God. I'll say it again, that we to join together in a corporate prayer, Africa, Russia, England, United States, right here on this radio station, that we are networked, that the two or three is gathered so we can tug at the hem of his garment. You know, it's amazing when you look at the story with the lady with the issue of blood. What 
was so profound that made God stop and say, who touched me? Who touched me? It was a woman of faith, a woman that she believed that if she could get closer, that if she could get into that uh, the realm of God, that she could get in the presence of God, even if she could just get crumbs from his table, even if she could just get a touch of his gown, even if he could just pass by her, that she could receive healing. If he's in the midst, another story said that a father asked Jesus would he pray for his child. And Jesus said, where is she? I go. He said, no, I don't need you to go, Jesus. If you would just pray that I know when I get there that my daughter will be all right. Ooh, glory be to God. That the man had enough faith that with the prayer of believing that Jesus was there in the midst, that his daughter would be healed. Another story says that the man said that he needs someone to lift up his bed because he was sickly and put him in a pool of salam, that he will be able to get healing, and that the presence of God will stir up the waters. And we're asking God to stir up the waters right now. We're asking God right now, as he sit high and he look low, and we pleading, and we're talking to the very hymn and essence of God to say, God, you are our beloved, that you are our, our Father. Hey, hallelujah, and we shall not want. God, we ask that as you sit high and you look low, that you have mercy. That, God, that we are your creations. That, God, that we are made in your image. God, we ask that you bind up the hand of the adversary. Anything to glorify you, to praise you, to magnify you, he tried to interfere. But, God, we ask that you bind them up right now in the blood of Calvary, in the name of Jesus, so that this prayer can reach the throne room. Hey, as it's written in the Lamb Book of Life, that we're making a petition before God. That God, that this is a new year. That God, that we want to start out not in foolishness, not in bite bite, not in lying, not in stabbing or doing things with each other's back and turning each other down. But we're going to do it right. That it's a brand new year. No foolishness this year. No hurting people this year. No backstabbing this year. No gossiping this year. No talking about the past this year. That we're going to look to the hill which cometh our help. That you sit high and you look low. And that we're pulling at the tug. And we're pulling at the anointing of God, Holy Spirit. We ask that you come in now and golf us, saturate us, and cover us with a fresh anointing. Father, I speak through this airline right now, through all technical, through all Internet, through all websites. Father, let the prayer resonate, that they'll feel a present, a quickening of the Holy Ghost. I decree and declare, good God Almighty. Father, that I speak in the atmosphere and speak to the northwest, south, and east winds. Go with me now as we pray to God, as we petition God to come in and fill us afresh with the blood of Jesus. Father, I started out saying what we're not going to do because we got to repent. When we come to you, we're not perfect soldiers. We can't just pray as usual. Our day can't go on as usual. We got to repent. If there's anything that I said, that I did, if I hurt anybody, I don't want to say, God, forgive me. 
forgive me, God, to the point that I need to forgive myself so I can forgive others for the hurt and the pain that I cause. Oh, God, breathe in me a new person, a new soul, a new creature this year that you could delight in, that your will could be manifested in, that everything that you have done, Father, for me, can be glorified so that others can believe and get saved. Oh, God, we repent of this mouth that we can't control because you said it in your word. We can't control our mouths. Only you can, God. Help us to exalt, edify, and encourage, and speak love, kindness, and forgiveness. Father, I'm asking that you touch our minds so that our minds can be stayed on you. Help our minds to be regulated. Help our minds to do what is right and not what is wrong. Because you could crack open the sky any day, and our minds need to be stayed on you and that of the word of God and your kingdom that shall come on earth as it is in heaven. Good God Almighty. Father, we ask in there, as you touch our mind and renew our mind, oh, God, oh, Father, and that you would just go and give us spiritual eyes, eyes to see the goodness, eyes to see the kindness, hey, eyes that can see the truth, what God is showing us, the love that is necessary so we can get along in this earth. Give us the eyes, God, that Jesus had, where he can see the goodness of your creation, the goodness of the earth, that he can see the power of God. When we have the eyes of Christ, we can act better and see better and do better and think better. Good God Almighty. Oh, God, give us those spiritual eyes and make it natural so we can see the goodness of the Father in the land of the living. Oh, God, and go down to that heart. That old stony heart, that old cold heart, that old stubborn heart, that old resistant heart, the heart that try to have a mind hey, of its own that's not regulated by the brain or the head that controls the whole body. We ask in God that you change our heart, our heart to be redeemed, our heart to have love, our heart that will just forgive. Oh, God, give us a new heart. Give us a repentant heart. We need this, God. This is why we ask you to give it to us, because we can't do it ourselves. We are your little children. Hey, not only do we need guidance and instructions, but we need a hug and we need directions to show us what we're doing wrong so we can get it right and be your children. Good God Almighty. Oh, Father, and stir up the gifts that's inside of us. Help us, Holy Spirit, that the fruits and gifts of the Spirit can be made manifest so that we'll be able to do a good job and you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, Father, we ask them right now, help us, Father, that we can help one another, that we can love one another, that we can forgive one another, that we can treat others that way that we want to be treated. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, God, and then go down into our bodies, into our left foot and right foot. Hey, don't lead us down. Uh, dry roads. Don't lead us down death valleys. But lead us, Father, where they said there's green pastures. Lead us, God, that we be able to walk and not be afraid that God is with us. We call on Michael and Gabriel right now. We call on the angels of God and speak to the winds of this air. Cover us as we walk through the valley 
of death, that, God, you are with us, that we can't feel no evil when we got God. It's all in your hands. Give us the confidence, God, that you woke us up this morning in the land of the living. We don't want it to be in vain. We want to wake up and praise ye the Lord. God, our master, right now, let your peace go all over the nations of this world. God, bless Russia, Ukraine, and Kiev. We haven't forgotten. Let peace be still. God, go through China and Taiwan. Father, that peace will be still. Ah, Father, go to Africa and India and this year, United States. That peace will be still. And God, bless Israel. Oh, Father, the nation of people that you chose to show us how to live. That, Father, that they will have the victory against those adversaries that want to destroy the very elect and the places that you said of milk and honey. You chose what you wanted to have done on this earth, and let it be done in the Lamb Book of Life as it is written. Oh, God, I'm praying a special prayer for the mothers and fathers today. Give them the strength the encouragement and the favor as they go out to take care of their families, the finances and food and roof they need to help them to take care of their families. And, Father, cover those little children. Ooh, glory. Father, children look to us to trust us, to believe in us. Father, we rebuke that kidnapping. We rebuke that trafficking. We rebuke that children are lost. And they are put out on the street. God forbid. We rebuke you, devil. Father, send our children back home. Make a way of escape. Father, release them from the dry bones. And Father, turn this thing around that someone will see or know a call and that victory and safety will be theirs. Oh, God, bless the little children going each and every day to school. Cover them. We bind up all that killing in the school. We bind up. Those guns in the school. We bind up all that malice in the school. The devil, you're a liar. You try to take the prayers out of school, but the prayers is inside the parents for their children. Suffer not the little children that come unto me. God said it in his word. Don't let them suffer. The wrath of God shall be upon your head, I decree and declare, that is poured out. Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. God bless the little children and animals. Oh, Father, that's walking the road hungry and cold and don't have a roof or family and sad just out there in the wilderness. God, you made these animals as pets, and truly they have a heart, too. Their heart beats, the blood goes through their body. They're looking for a little food or water. Let someone show them warmth and love and caring and stop abusing animals because if you would abuse the creation of God, and hurt these little cats and dogs, you will hurt a child or man or woman. Good God Almighty. Where is the mercy seat of God in your life? I rebuke it now. All that malice. Oh, God bless the teachers in the classrooms and those that want to teach the children the things to survive. Oh, God, help those that even can't go to school, Father. Help them. Their doors of opportunity will be opened up. We speak around the nations of this world. That peace be still. God bless the presidents and the governments, those that run the various countries, God. Let it be a fairness, a scale, that you would touch their heart. Because this is the earth that you made. We are the people that you made. Everything that was made and ever will be made is from you. 
We're crying out, God, to have dominion over this earth and not people have dominion over us, but the word of God, let it be dominion over this earth. Oh, God, I'm asking you to go through every house, every heart, every listener. Father, bless them where they're weak, God. Give them healing where they're suffering, God. Give them peace where there's a storm. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, God, help them to get up out of their wheelchair. Help them to get healing supernaturally in their bodies. Hey, help them to get the jobs that they're seeking and the finances that they desire and the peace of mind that's needed so they can survive in this world. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, God, I'm asking you to bless us, your children, and forgive us, your creation, and help us so that we can endure and sustain even to the end of time until you call us home that you can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, God, I'm asking you to touch the airwaves and the TVs, the Internet, and all those producers, radio and television. Oh, God, even here with Archbishop, that the word will get out, the praises get out, the prayer will get out, that we're coming in agreement this morning, that we anything that's in our way that's a hindrance, we rebuke it. Anything that's going to stop a year of hope, we rebuke it. Anything that's going to not bless our bodies, we rebuke it. Any people, i say it again, uh-oh, if I step on your toes, say ouch. i say it again, if I step on your toes, say ouch. Any person, people, or thing that's in our life that's not good, Father, take it out. We don't want no mess, no confusions, no drama, nothing this year but the word and peace of God. We're going to start it out right. Hey, Hallelujah. We're going to be quiet and be silent and listen and hear from you. God, I'm asking you to help me say this prayer. You know what's needed to say out my mouth for your people. I may be all over the place, but I'm trying to cover it, God. Hey, I don't want no stone unturned that I didn't go to you on behalf of your leaders and your people to have mercy. Abba, Father, Abba. Oh, God, just touch right now. Touch Mother Green from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. Right now, we ask you to touch Dr. Patricia Stewart, those who made it possible for me to even get on the airways. God, I thank you for Apostle Anthony Mays and uh, also Archbishop and those who have given me opportunity and David to be worldwide. God, I hope that we're able to connect and two or three are able to come together and that we're praying, God, no big eyes, big you. This is not about Margie. This is about God. Hey, hallelujah. God, we want to praise you. We want to magnify you. We want to ask, God, that even though whatever we do, prepare a place for us, even in our souls and minds, that we can know that you are our hope and to our darkness. And, God, we ask right now, if we get, we don't have anything good to say, shut our mouth. If we got to listen to negativity, Father, deaf in our ears. <laughs> if we got to go places that's going to cause us to fall, stop it. Don't even let our legs be able to move because we need to do what is right. The time is winding up. And, Father, I'm asking you right now by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Hey, and we want to say thank you for a fresh anointing. We want to tug at the hem of your garment even more to say that we love you and that we appreciate you and that we glorify you. Father, we look into the hills right now. 
and we asking that you come in and that you sup with us and that you will forgive us and always, Father, turn things around in our favor. You know why? Because we want to say thank you. We just want to say thank you. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you again. And I want to just pray. One of one lady I heard prayed. I met her personally. Um, I met her at First Apostolic Faith Church years ago. Bishop uh, Doctor Iota Locke. Truly, truly, it's a blessing to hear someone that know how to pray and get a prayer through. And I want to start this year off just listening to her prayer. God bless you, and let us stay on one accord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. To be called, saved, and sanctified. What a privilege. What an honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a privilege to be called the chosen. What an honor. Hallelujah. To be called sanctified. prayer by Bishop Iota Locke. I always admired her. Even when I met her, I was in awe just to see the anointing that was on her life. 
and she would always uh, just love the Lord and praise God. And you know what was so unique about it? It's good when you could be in fellowship with somebody and everybody is on the same page. Hey, hallelujah. And everybody just wants to glorify God and reverence him. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing that you can just be able to reach out and to just say that, you know, that my God loves you and my God loves me. There's no condemnation. There's no bite biting. There is none of that. All it is is just reverence and praising God that our God is a way maker. I'll say it again, that our God is a way maker and that this should be on our lips, that that is what he is to us and not all of this ill uh, mouth stuff. So let us walk in fellowship and love. Let us start off each and every day with the prayer of God, and God bless you as we listen to Cena and Waymaker. songwriter says that I worship God because truly God is a way maker. 
and that we have to believe in order to receive, to know that our God can do anything but fail. You know, one of our speakers that comes on Thursday is by the name of Apostle Alexander Lockamy, and he is my godfather, and he said God has given him a special word that starting out this year that we need to go beyond our flesh, go beyond frustration, go beyond all that negativity. It's a brand new year, and that we need to go forward in the things of God and to have a better outlet. Let us listen to him now at this time, and God bless you. You're listening to the Fivefold Ministry broadcast. I'm your host, Apostle Margie Mercer. God bless you, beloved. And let us listen to this beginning of this New Year message that was given to Apostle Lachemy from God. Amen. He don't want to just get you upset. He want to get you frustrated because he knows if he gets you frustrated enough, you react. Sometimes we can be mad and not act. Sometimes we can be upset and not act. Sometimes we can be angry and not act. But when we reach frustration, it's kind of like your, your car running hot. And, and and it's okay. Your car can run hot as long as it don't get in the red. But once your hot car get in the red and it stay in the red and then run it off, out of while your car will get get the steaming and knocking and bucking and it's gonna cut off because it's got it can't stand the heat that is going on. And see so that's what Satan does. He wanna get your get you in the red. And the red is frustration. And that you don't got beyond mad, you don't got beyond upset, you don't got beyond angry. You, you, I'm going to use a knife word, but you got beyond teed off. Now you're frustrated. Now you're ready to act. Now you're ready to take matters in your own hand. And this is what's been going on in 2023. Satan, has, he's learning how now to push this Christian. And see, when you're not paying attention, when you're not alert at what you're going through, you'll find yourself in frustration and wonder how you even got there. Because you began thinking that you are uh, Get rid of the thing that you're going through. You'll be piling them up, like piling them up and piling them up. Instead of asking God to forgive you and getting over it, you 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 pile it up. The next thing you know, you pile something up on the. When you start piling stuff up, it'll build up after a while. It's kind of like putting something in a closet. Eventually, there's gonna be no room in that closet. When you open the closet, whatever is in the room gonna fall out on you because the closet can't hold it no more, and there ain't no room for them no more. And you still trying to put it in there, and that's where frustration comes when you can't take no more when you had enough. So let's look up the word frustration. Um, and the definition for frustration is the feeling of being upset or annoyed especially because of inability to change or or achieve something. Other words, it's out of your hand. You It doesn't got out of your control. What you were trying to accomplish didn't happen. What you were trying to achieve, you didn't achieve. The point that you were trying to get to, you didn't get to. That that that, that you were that, that you were trying to make happen didn't happen. And and it's sometimes it feels like stream. You feel like streaming with frustration because you've been feel like you've been defeated. It seems like whatever you were going through got the best of you. It done piled up now, and it ain't no more room for it to pile up. You done had enough. You heard the old saying said your last nerve. And said, Christian, we got to learn how to live above frustration because Christians cannot walk. In a frustrated environment, God did not call us to walk in. How are we going to help people frustrated if we frustrated? How are we going to, hey, listen, 
God brings frustration in your life for you to graduate from it, not to live in it. You see what I'm saying? Uh, frustration come, frustration come to to strengthen you and help you get to the next level. I often say it kind of like social service. Social service comes to help you get over, not for you to live in. <laughs> you know, and many times people live in social service. Rather than get over it, letting it be a stepping stone or a brick to get them to the next level, they, they, they made home there. They lived there for 20 and 30 years. Why? Because they satisfied somebody else taking care of them, somebody else's money. All we were told ain't nothing like your own money. But when you're part of social service, you, you're limited. You're limited. They tell you how much money you can have. They tell you well, what you can have, what you can't have. They want to keep you in a limit. They want to keep you in a bracket. So that's what frustration does. Frustration will keep you in a bracket where you upset all that. You wake up in the morning upset. You lay down upset, and that's not of God. That's a trick of the enemy. And for Christian, I'm coming this afternoon to, to show you how far I've been frustrated. So I can teach this because I've been there and I graduated from it. And since I graduated from it, I can teach it to you. And this is what trials are all about. This is what tests are about. You graduate from them so that when you meet others that are going through the same thing, you can teach them because you graduated from it. But if you don't graduate from it, you can't help nobody else. So I come to tell you this afternoon, you can live above frustration. Listen, it's going to come. If you're a Christian, if you live long enough, I don't care how righteous you are, I don't care how holy you are, I don't care how much money you got, I don't care what your title is, you can be a pastor, you can be a prophet, you can be an evangelist, a preacher, a teacher, a healer. Frustration is coming to your house, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with it. Or you're going to find yourself cussing at your wife, cussing at your husband, you're going to find yourself uh, fussing at your children, fussing at your supervisor, fussing at your, at your, at your mom, your dad. Your, your, you, you're going to find yourself out of control because you don't know how to deal with frustration. You, and God's word gives us, we got some scripture later on, but God's word gives us a remedy to living above frustration. And listen, frustration is exasperation. Uh, frustration is annoyance. Frustration is anger. So if you got these signs going on, you might be headed for frustration. For, for frustration is increased anger. Vexation. You don't had enough. You don't been vexed. You been touchy. You're so touchy. Somebody talking about. Oh, she got on my last nerve. You 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 headed for frustration now. When somebody get on your last nerve, you don't let it build an irritation. That's what frustration is. It's irritation. To be irritated. In other words, you 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 don't want to be around that person. You don't you don't want to be in that person present. You see them coming. You hide from them because they're irritating. They 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 irritate. They they aggravation. They 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 somebody that you don't want to be bothered with because they're annoying. A bitterness is a sign of frustration. You don't got bitter now. Uh, and bitterness is not for Christians. The Bible says bitterness is not of God. If you bitter, it's the devil. I didn't say you were the devil. I said it's the devil. Bitterness comes from the devil. Well, the Bible says bitterness is not of God, but it's earthly. It's devilish. It's sensitive. And when you bitter, you make other people bitter. An event or a circumstance, this is what frustration is, an event or circumstance, I want you to know what it is so when we go on down the road, you can take this in there. I want you to take this into 2024 victorious. 
So frustration gonna come, aggravation gonna come. You're gonna be upset. You're gonna be made mad. Somebody is gonna get on your layer nerve. So somebody is things ain't gonna always work out in your favor. Uh, that project ain't always gonna work out. That deal ain't always gonna come through. That contract ain't always gonna work. You went in there and went out and bought you a new car, done bought you a new house, done bought you a new outfit because you were fit to sign a three-and-a-half million-dollar contract or a $30 million contract. You already spent the interest and the profit money that's going to come from it and come go and get in the office and find out on Monday morning that it fell through, that they decided they didn't want your company. They did, they did not want you. They went and got somebody else. Now you done got in there. And you mad, and you frustrated, and you aggravated, and you don't know what to do, and you cussing and cutting the shine, huh? But you gotta learn how to control yourself. It's an event, a circumstance that causes one to have a feeling of frustration, huh? Yes. So frustration. You gotta learn how to live above it. Because it comes to get the best of you. And that's what Satan been using in the church lately. Frustrated Christians. You get all on Facebook. Talk about I ain't mad at nobody, but, but you, you give them a piece of your mind. You give them a piece of your mind because you frustrated. You got tired of every time you looked at Facebook, they were talking about you. So you try to get on there and go ahead and push your last nerve. You frustrated and you want to let them know that, hey, you got a mouth too. Hey, you got a conversation too. But God forbid that you do that convince the mindset of the Lord. Huh? Jesus did not get frustrated. Jesus did not if anybody had a right to get frustrated, if anybody had a right to get aggravated, if anybody had a right to get annoyed, if anybody had a right to get bitter and upset, it was Jesus. But he didn't. He left us an example. From the pulpit to the congregation, as leaders, we have to be so careful. We can't do it. Yes, I know God is a forgiving God, but we got to set an example. We got to be humble. We got to be meek. We got to be kind. Quit hollering at your flock. Quit hollering at your members. Quit hollering at your those that are on to you because you got authority. Because you think you're the boss, because you've been given charge, so you holler at some and then talk nice to others. You ought to talk nice to all your your parishers, all your flock, all of them, every one of them. So what? Things ain't working out. So what? Things back fine. So what? You didn't get this quarter what you wanted. That's no reason to get angry with the trustees and, and you're angry with the motherboard and the digging board and everybody else in the church. And they can't get along with you. They don't even know how to talk to you because you will go off. You're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to be meek. You're supposed to be kind. Living above frustration. In the Bible, frustration is a feeling that many individuals experience due to various circumstances. Although the term frustration might not be explicitly mentioned, there are several instances where individuals, including prominent biblical figures, Encounter situations that could could evoke emotion. Yeah, you ain't the only one. You're not in this thing by yourself. Others are going through. Other people in the Bible that were frustrated, but they handle it. And if they can handle it, you can. What well, he said to one, he said to all. He don't give you no excuse to be mad and bitter and angry and upset, frustrated. Can't nobody get along with you because you offer. You can't think straight when you're frustrated. Additionally, the Bible offers guidance on managing frustration. Yes, the Bible got scripture verses that will help you with your frustration, such as Philippians 4 and 
Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and carried us not to be anxious about anything, but to pray and, and present our concern to God. This passage suggested that turning to prayer and seeking God guidance can help alleviate frustration. Other words, don't be anxious for nothing. Anxiety will blind you. Anxiety will make it look like something, want something so bad it can look pretty until you get it. Then you wake up in the morning to find out that that was so pretty when you laid down that last night and wake up and look over there and it ain't pretty as it was when you laid down with it. You cannot, you cannot move on anxiety. You you gotta be patient. You gotta wait. Yeah, uh, I've experienced so many times with anxiety, buying the wrong car, ending up in the wrong house, people ending up with the wrong husband, the wrong wife, ending up on the wrong job. Why? Because you didn't listen to the voice of God. You was anxious. You just wanted it so bad. I remember there was an incident where. Where, where I wanted something so bad, and my wife told me, she said, no, baby, you don't need it. That's not right. But rather me listen to the voice of the Lord through her, I went on and got it anyway, and it ended up disappointing me very bad. So I mean, you learn sometimes God will speak to your wife. God will speak to your children. God will speak to your friend. And it ain't that they, they don't want you to have nothing. Oh, you just don't want me to have him. You're so jealous. No, baby, it ain't that she's jealous. It's just that she see the devil in him. She see that you fit to make a mess. You fit to get nothing. You fit to get nothing. Thinking you can have something, and they see that, and you so angry and so upset, so frustrated, you can't even see straight. Moreover, listen, Ecclesiastes seven and nine advises us that anger or frustration should not linger in our heart, and it can lead to further harm. Instead, it encourages a, a patient and understanding approach to situations that might provoke frustration. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Ecclesiastes 79 tells us that these things should not be in our heart. The Bible said put away these things from your heart because you let them say they're going to spoil you. Uh-huh. They're going to defile you. They're going to cause you to end up in, in frustration and anxiety. And now you can't stay straight. Do you have a minute of time? Please, Thomas, how many times we thought we heard God's voice because we was in anxiety? We was in frustration. We thought we heard God's voice. Huh? Look look at at Sarah. Sarah was frustrated. Sarah, man, y'all, she upset because her handmaid disrespected her. Now that she messed around and got in her hair wanting a baby, she couldn't wait on God. God told her she was going to have a baby. God didn't tell her her handmaid was going to have no baby. God told her she was going to have a baby. Now, that sounds clear to me. If, she, if God told her she was going to have a baby, how she think her handmaid was a she? Her handmaid was, what it was, was her excuse. Her handmaid was her alibi because she had lost her faith. And then when she made that mistake, she wanted to blame Abraham. Paul, my, he sinned. He ain't sinned. He did what she told him to do because she got in anxiety. She got impatient. Uh, she didn't wait on the Lord. And she gave her husband to a handmaid. And then the girl despised her. After the girl despised her, then she realized she done made a mistake. Now she all frustrated, ain't thinking straight, putting the girl all out in the cold. Didn't care whether the girl died out there or not, just put the girl out. She mad. Sister mad now. Put her, told her, husband, put her out. Put the boy out too. Didn't say nothing about giving him no food. Just get rid of him. Because she mad because of the decision that she made. Is you mad this evening? Because the decision you made? You wouldn't want to walk out the house. 
You the one told him you didn't want him no more. You the one told him you were fed up with him. You the one told him you were tired of him. You the one told him you hate him. You the one told him I don't love you. Let me tell you something. One man treasure. One man trash and another man treasure. How many people got your treasure this evening because you thought it was trash? What ain't what? Look, what ain't good to you is good to somebody else. Now somebody else got it and fixed it all up. I reminded uh, many years ago when I first got married around in, 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 in 1981, 82, 82 when I got married, all that, uh, one day we was at home and my wife went out there beside the road where my mo- mother had throw something away in the, in the Sabbath, and my wife got it and took it and brought it home and fixed it up and painted it and, and put it in the house, and it looked so beautiful like a matter of fact, when my antique store, it was nice. She painted it pretty, and my mother come on one day and asked her, where did you get that from? That looks so beautiful. My, mom, my wife said, I got it out of your trash. You see how, the, how your trash can become a treasure to somebody else? So you be careful how you get so frustrated in your marriage that you get the same thing to your husband and your wife that you don't mean. And then they walk away and they leave because you said something ugly. You said something aggravating. You said something disrespectful. You said something out of your frustration that vented their spirit. And you don't want them. You don't love them. You, you want them to leave and don't come back. But you didn't mean it. You were just mad. But now it's too late. They're gone and somebody else got them. And you realize that you know, they say your mouth never brings the water to the well going dry. Yes, your well dry now because you don't mess around and pull your water out and somebody else got it. The Bible says submit ourselves to God. We acknowledge his sovereign and trust in his wisdom. By resisting the devil tactic, we prevent frustration from becoming a breeding ground for bitterness. Listen, a breeding ground, you know what a breeding ground is? A breeding ground is when 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 you, when you breed something so you can get some more of it that more can grow. Do you not know frustration become a breeding ground for bitterness, anger, destructive behavior? Wow, isn't that something? Not only are you frustrated, but you have planted a bed now for other things to become grow. They grow right there. By you, resi- by you resisting the devil's tactics, it prevents that from happening. Resist the devil and he'll flee. But he said in Corinthians 12 and 9, said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. Paul said, I ain't going to brag about my abilities. I'm not going to brag about my talents. I'm not going to brag about my successes. I'm not going to brag about how anointed I am and I walk by and the shadow off my clothes heals somebody. But I'm going to boss off my weakness, off my frailty. For while I'm weak, then am I strong. He said I had an issue in my life, and I told God to move it. And I went to God three times to move this thing. I was frustrated. I was aggravated. Thought maybe because I was frustrated. Maybe because I was aggravated, God would consider that and move the thing. But you know what God told me? God said that 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 my grace is sufficient. Other words, I ain't moving it, but I'm gonna leave my grace there. My grace is sufficient. My I looked up the word sufficient, and that means it's more than enough. 
Say, for example, you were in the store there and you're in the line at the counter and, and you, 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 you there, there paying for something and find out you ain't got enough money to pay for the product you have. So the man behind you get ready to take it back. And the man behind you tells you, no, don't take it back. She asked the clerk, how much did you, how much do she need? She said, well, $3.75. And the man takes out a $5 and says, here, this should be sufficient enough. See what I'm trying to say? This is sufficient enough to take care of that two, three dollars, say the vice and more. And that's what God great does. God great is sufficient enough to take care of whatever problem you're going through, whatever situations in your life, God great is sufficient. Second Corinthians twelve and nine assure us that God great is enough to sustain us even in moments of frustration and weaknesses. It reminds us that our dependence on God allows his power to manifest in our lives, transforming our challenges into opportunities for him to work. See, this is what God's trying to do. He didn't allow frustration to come to stop you. He didn't allow frustration to come to hinder you. He didn't allow frustration to come to set you back, but rather to build you up, rather to strengthen your inner man. Though the outward man perish, the inner man is renewed day by day. This is what is so going to happen. When things come, to seem like it wants to destroy your outer man, but it, but it's going to build up your inner man, the spiritual man on the inside. That's what God's concerned about, the spiritual man on the inside. And day by day, it's going to build up your inner man as you go through these trials, as you go through these tests. So put a smile on your face. Get that frown off your, off your, your forehead, off your brow. Get that bitterness out of your mouth. Get that cussing off your lip. And give God a praise. Ah, oh, shut up. Give God a praise. David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be on my lip. When you bless God at all times and his praise on your lip, you will not be frustration. Frustration often exposes our limitations. Do you hear me? And our need for God's strength. Frustration often shows that this time and sometimes it shows where we are. Now, when somebody gets so mad that they cuss, it ain't that they ain't no Christian. It shows their weaknesses. It shows their frailty. It shows that the area of life where they need to work on, where you're weak, where you thought you were still fed, but you won't. See, these things come to find out the loophole in you, the weaknesses in you. Because God don't want no weaknesses. He wants you strong. He said, be strong in the Lord and in his power, the might. Put on the whole arm of God, you'll be able to stand against the wild of the devil. So that's why these things come to frustrate you, to try to build you up and, and strengthen the weak area of your life. By embracing our weaknesses and looking to Christ, we invite his power to rest upon us. Through our humility and reliance on God's grace, we discover a deeper sense of purpose and the ability to navigate our frustration with his strength. Be honest to God and quit trying to make like you strong when you know you're weak. Tell God you're not strong enough to lay down that cigarette. Tell God you're not strong enough to lay down that marijuana. Tell God you're not strong enough to quit committing fornication. Tell God you're not strong enough to commit, you quit committing adultery. Tell God you're not strong enough to, to, to stop getting involved in these sexual uh, morality, these te- sexual activities. Tell God. He already know anyway. Tell him your weakness. And when you do so, God will give you. God will give you the ability that you need to be able to stand, to overcome these frailties. But you've got to be honest to God. He already know you're weak. 
but you got to be honest about it and quit trying to hide your frustration. When frustration, listen, when, when, and when, when confronted with frustration, Proverbs 15 and 1 reminds us of the power of a gentle response. It advised us to respond sensitively and kindly, refusing to contribute to an escalating conflict. You hear me? Frustration can easily lead to heated exchange of hurtful words. But by choosing to respond with gentleness, we create an atmosphere for understanding and reconciliation. A soft response not only diffuses tension, but also allows space for open communication, helping foster resolution and restoring peace. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer, a soft word. It puts the fire out. No matter how mean they is, no matter how, how, how angry they are, no matter how vicious they come at you with their word, don't say nothing but say something soft. Tell them you're sorry. Just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got in front of you. I'm sorry that I moved. I didn't mean to move in front of you. I'm sorry that I pulled out in front of you. Let them cuss. Let them argue. Let them, let them act like they about want to hurt you. But you be you you use a soft word. You a Christian. You a child of God. You've been born again. Tell them I'm sorry. They may not pay you no attention when you say you're sorry. But don't start fussing back at them and cussing back at them because it could turn into a few. It could turn into vandalism. It could, could turn to, to some harmfulness where they actually want to hurt you. So you got to know how to respond. Don't wait till it happens to learn how to respond. You need to learn now while I'm teaching you this afternoon. As you go into 2024, you need to learn now how to to, to live above frustration. That's my message this evening. Learning how to live above frustration from the pulpit to the congregation. Yes, leaders too. Leaders lose it. Uh, leaders lose it. I know. I know I can see you at the house right now hollering at that wife. I can see you hollering at them children. I can see you hollering at your members. I can see you hollering at your coworkers because you the supervisor, you the boss. Hurting that feeling. They hate to even go to work because you hollering at them. I had a supervisor one time holler at me all the time. All he wanted to do was fuss. All he wanted to do was hear something negative say, I didn't even want to go to work. I didn't even want to go to work because I had to see him. But I went to work anyway. And I kept right on praying, kept on trusting God. To God gave me the breakthrough. To God delivered me by taking him out of my presence. Look, God calls us to continue doing good, even in the face of frustration. You can't give up when frustration comes. You can't go and sit down there when frustration over, you're going to get back up again. No, baby, you got to maneuver even in frustration. Mark time mark. Anytime you can only move, when you ain't going through nothing, you ain't accomplishing anything. You're not proven to be a strong Christian. You're not you're not proven to be a soldier. And the only time you go, only time you gonna go to go when ain't no war. Sometimes you got to go to war. Sometimes you got to go on a battlefield. And if you ain't a soldier to go on the battlefield, you might not be much of a soldier. Even in the face of frustration, with the understanding that perseverance yields harvest. Listen, when we maintain. When we remain committed to God's principles and continue to act in love, kindness, and grace, we set ourselves up for a future reward. The key is to press on and not give give up, knowing that God's timing and purpose are perfect. Press on through frustration. 
through aggravation, through annoyingness, uh-huh, through distress, through depression, through anxiety. Press on. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Looking into the hill, what David said, from where to come at my help, more than all my help, coming from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Psalm 37 and 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked advice. Let them be mean. Let them be wicked. Don't you? You ain't their judge. Because it looks like they're getting away with it. How many know there ain't nobody getting away with nothing from, from God? But the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout all the earth, beholding the good and the evil. Ain't nobody getting away. And if, and if it, it does look like they're getting away, it's really none of your business. It's in God's hand. You mind your business. You keep your nose clean. You do what you're supposed to do. And don't worry about other people who look like they're getting away with evil devices. Look like they're sinning and ain't God doing nothing about it. They're sinning and prospering. You're just living right the best you know how. It look like you just can't make it. Don't you worry about that. We don't be deceived, for God is not mocked. What's the never man sow it? That shall he also reap. That makes so. Show when judgment comes, you ain't found. That makes so when chastisement comes. Make sure when the wrath of God comes, you don't find yourself in the way. Huh? When my daddy start beating, when my daddy start beating one of, one of us, I beat one of my brothers, said, don't you be in the way. Because a lot of times he's using that switch, that switch to go further than that person. Don't you be nearby. Because you might end up getting a leak too. So don't you be messing around and get a leak when God chats the route comes. Cause you in the you in with the wicked, huh? You get you you got your you got your stuff spread out with the wicked. You got your life mixed up with the wicked, and then when the wrath of God comes, there you is getting a lick because you out of place. Cause you over there with the wicked, and here God trying to chastise them, and you over there. The righteous cry out. Psalm thirty four seventeen and eighteen. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivered them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that's what frustration is. It breaks your breaking heart, broken heart. It's trouble. Mm-hmm. It's failure. It's setback. It's defeat. But the Bible says when the righteous cry out, in the moment of frustration, it is comforting to remember that the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. Assured us that he is close to the brokenhearted, offering comfort and delivered from all our troubles. He's close to you. You the one thing he, and see, when you hear God trying to see, you think God a thousand miles away or, or 20 miles away or New York City, and you won't let him fix it. God is close to your problem. God, you ain't got to even tell God, even though the Bible tells us to pray. He already know what you're going through before you tell him. The Bible says, you know, he know what you have need of even before you pray. But here you is all frustrated, huh? Not knowing that God, in the moment of your frustration, the moment you start getting frustrated, God wants to comfort you. But you didn't pray. You just sat there letting that frustration get the best of you, thinking about what they did, what happened to you. You won't turn it loose. Oh, now I'm going to tell you how to get victory over frustration. Let it go. I don't care what it is. I don't know what it is frustrating you. Let it go. Get it to the Lord. Get on your knees right there and let it go. No matter somebody said something to you, somebody did something to you, something that worked out in your favor, 
something happened and you don't even understand it, why it happened, let it go. Let it go. Pray. Tell God about it. Let it go. Go. Let it go so God can fix it, so God can work it out, so God can console your heart. Let it go. Delivered will come if you let it go. If you commit it unto God. For the Bible says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Please hear the scripture. Commit thy way unto the Lord. That means commit this thing to the Lord, this frustration, this aggravation. Don't just commit the good stuff to God. Commit the bad stuff to God too. God already knows, but he wants you to bring it to him. Just like a child to a father. Commit thy way unto the Lord, and he will establish. Do you know what the word establish means? Establish mean to make it, it make it a solid foundation. When something is established, it is solid. It is steadfast and immovable. God want to make a solid foundation out of this thing. It's moving you. It got you moved over here. It got you moved over there. It got you moved over here. It got you moved over there. You're to the left. You're to the right. You're to the front. To your back. You're so unstable about this thing you're going through. You're in it today and out tomorrow. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. You, you're having a problem with the, with, the, with the situation, and you won't give it to God, but God wants you to let it go and give it to him so he can bring and deliver, and whatever deliverance he brings, you take it and run with it. When frustration feels overwhelming and isolation, we can take solace in the knowledge that we serve a God who is attending to our every need. He offers solace in moments of brokenness and saves those who feel crushed by the way. He, yes, he offers it. God would be God if he didn't offer an escape, if he didn't offer solitude to what you're going through. He knows you're going through, and then he won't help you out. But you've got to pay attention. You've got to be tender to God that he is trying to bring you out. Listen, now God bringing you out may not work in your favor. See, this is where we messed up. We want God, and we want God to bring us out and it work in our favor. No, it may not work in your favor, baby. God may not bring that man back that beating on you. He may not bring that woman back that vexed your spirit and and, 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 and and hurt you and offended you and did all the crazy stuff she could do there. It may not work that way. But however God thinks that you accept that and you go on. You go on looking into the hill would come at your help. They said it was an old saying here. Now it's an old saying now. If, 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 if the bird belongs, you turn the bird loose. If the bird comes back, he goes. If he don't, don't even worry about it. And moments of frustration, it can be disheartening to see injustice or the success of those who act contrary to God principles. However, Psalm 37, 7, remind us to be still before the Lord and trust in his perfect justice. We're talking again about other people. Look like they're prospering and what they're doing, and ain't nobody doing nothing about it. Don't worry about that. Get your eyes on other people's success. Get your eyes on other people's sin. Get your eyes on what it look like God ain't punishing them for what they've done. You stand back looking for God. As long as you stand back and look for God to punish them, God is not going to punish them. Because God told you to forgive them. Forgive them. He he said, he, look, he said, love them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Isn't that something? They despitefully use you, and God tells you to pray for them. You pray for them. And if your enemy third, God said, give them a drink of water. Oh, how far have we drifted. Some of us ain't, oh, some of us are a long way from that. A long way from doing what I just said. But I didn't say it. God said it. Frustration can arise from our desire to see immediate consequence for wrongdoing. You hear what I'm saying? 
You got frustrated because somebody did something wrong and God didn't punish them. You wanted God to reward them. Oh, you wanted God to turn their car over. You wanted God to let the house catch on fire. You wanted God to knock the legs out from on them. And God didn't do nothing. God didn't do nothing. You hear what I'm saying? I remember one time this guy person came to my house and something my child had did to their child, and they, they told me what had happened. And they stood away for me to beat my child in front of them, chastise my child, and show that I punished my child. I asked them, well, I told them, I said, okay, thank you for letting me know. And they said, I said, can I help you? He said, yeah, ain't you going to beat them? I said, if I decide to. That, that's my prerogative. If I decide to chastise them by beating them, I'll beat them. But whatever I do is not your concern. You don't told me what they did. Now, you're going to go on about your business. Uh, uh, that responsibility is in my hand. See, it's God's responsibility to deal with your enemy. You don't tell God what to do. Standing and waiting for God to punish them. You'll be standing there a long time. You just go on and pray for them like God told you, and God will do the rest. Huh? Yes, frustration can arise from our desire to see me the concept for our wrongdoing. Yet this verse urges us to wait patiently on the Lord, refusing to fret or become anxious when we witness the unjust prosper. Mm-hmm. When we see the unjust prosper, we witness them prosper. Then we is going to see like we can prosper. We righteous and the unjust prosper, and we we get upset, frustrated because we look like. God, that ain't fair. God is always fair. He knows what he's doing. The Bible says, with long-suffering and patience has he towards us. With confidence, we cling to the assurance that God is the ultimate judge and will bring about justice in his perfect timing. You hear what I'm saying? Not in your timing. Not when you think he ought to do it. In God's perfect timing, God's going to bring justice to that person that did you wrong. The good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Listen, you've been called according to God's purpose, and God's going to see. God's going to see that everything works out to the good. When it's all over with, you're going to be a winner. Romans 28, of hope and assurance, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. This includes moments of frustration and disappointment. It's going to work out. I know it doesn't look like it, but I come by to assure you, let go of frustration. Let go of the thing that frustrates you. Turn it loose. Let it go. It's going to work for your good, but you got to let it go. you got to turn it loose. And when you do, God's going to fix it. God's going to work it out. Romans 8 and 28 tells us that God's going to work it out. It's going to work for your good. It is, but you got to let it go. And you got to trust God and believe that he's going to do just that. Psalm 55 and 22. Cast all your care on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Isn't that something? A frustration. You cast your care on God, you won't be frustrated. See, you're trying to handle it. You're big enough. Excuse me. You're not big enough. He didn't say cast your care on your husband. He didn't say cast your care on your wife. He said cast your care on the Lord, and he will sustain. That means he will fix it. He will sell it. He will make it right. He will never let the rights to be moved. See, you fit to be moved. This frustration fit to move. going to get your gun, get your knife, get your car, get matters, and go get your friend, 
and do a drive-by, you fit to make a mess. You fit to end up with prison for the rest of your life for taking a life or hurting somebody because you took matters in your own hand. God said he would not have you be moved, but you're going to be moved if you don't give it to God. When frustration threatened to overwhelm us, Psalm 55 and 22. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.